Welcome to Context. I'm Lorna Duick and we're not coming from the studio this week. Of course, like all of you, we are social distancing. Our editors are working at home. Susan is producing the show and the guests from her house. And I'm in the great park of Spencer Smith, downtown Burlington, which is usually bustling with people. I've never before seen the playground taped off with hazard tape because germs cannot be wiped down after each family visitor. What's normally a bustling lakeside stroll is very empty. But today we're going to show how people are making a difference in caring for the most vulnerable, in being on those front lines, and together we can get through this. Welcome to Context. Canadian hospitals and long-term care homes have had to make enormous adjustments for COVID-19 and Dr. Gillian Kernahan is the CEO of four hospitals in London, Ontario. Dr. Kernahan, thank you for joining us amid your busy workload. You're so welcome. Glad to be here. Well, tell us about what has been necessary in London there at the four beds. You oversee a thousand, um, a thousand beds, 400 of them also our long-term care beds. What adjustments have you had to make? Focus really in the last two weeks since this has started to impact Canada is to really work on how do we create the capacity within the system so that as this pandemic increases and the number of people affected and the number of people that need hospital care are affected, that we are trying to create the capacity to allow that to happen. So the focus really has been in stopping things that can be stopped and ramping up things that uh, can be ramped up in, to make sure that we are ready for a surge that we sadly expect is coming. Dr. Kernahan, what this means is that surgeries people have waited a long time for, elective surgeries that have important words like cataracts, like knee replacements. These things are going to get bumped, aren't they? When we face a situation like this, we look at the capacity we've got to do surgeries. And we want to prioritize those surgeries that are either emergency surgeries or surgeries that in the next about two weeks, 14 days, if they're not done, would have substantive impact on a person's length of life or or quality of life. And so if you need heart surgery, um, obviously that's urgent. Um, if you have a cancer that's very aggressive, you need surgery. Whereas there are cancers that are much more slowly growing. So not having surgery right now will not impact your outcome as far as the disease. It's not to minimize the suffering that people have when they've got um, painful knees, painful hips, trouble with their vision, and they've been waiting for months for this appointment. Uh, we're not suggesting that this isn't difficult to deal with. We are hoping people will understand that it's time like this. The, the doctors and the teams need to make these tough decisions to focus on those individuals for whom surgery is urgent or emergent. And I can see that we have a role as the Canadian public to encourage our family members and friends as they get delayed. 
Um, but there is also a lot of support we as a society, that big word society, need to give to those of you on the front lines. What is your watchful word for those of us about interacting with the frontline healthcare workers? My request would be kindness and patience. Um, we've, we're having to make very tough decisions and we know that your issue feels very urgent to you. We are doing our best to, with the capacity we've got to meet the needs of those people that need it right now. We are also asking our physicians and our teams to connect with people by phone or through virtual visits to try and continue to meet your needs Hi, in so a very different way. And so we would ask that you would be kind if you're feeling stressed because um, we're doing our best Hi, and Hi. that Hi, you would be um, thankful to the healthcare workers and the leaders in the system who are working relentless hours to make sure the system's there for you. Okay. Like many Canadian healthcare workers, Dr. Kernahan, you take belief in God to the job. How does your relationship with Jesus affect the way you are facing COVID-19? Personally, I have a very strong faith in God and my faith has sustained me in the very joyful times in my life, but also in the really challenging times of my life. I have the privilege of serving as St. Joseph's Healthcare that was founded by women who had a strong faith in God and they established this healthcare system um, to really take the healing messages, message of Jesus uh, to their community. And we honor that legacy by living that legacy today and every day, but particularly at times of stress like this during a pandemic. That's a real privilege for me to serve in an organization like this. All right. Well, Dr. Kernahan in London, thank you very much for being there on the front lines. All the best. Thank you very much. Well, from the safety and the social distancing here in my home city of Burlington in uh, Ontario, we're gonna go now to the epicenter in America, to New York City, and to Curtis Silva, who's the founder of the Guardian Angels. Curtis and his Guardian Angels work with the most vulnerable on New York City streets. And Curtis, thank you for joining us. What are you seeing? Oh, appreciate it. Well, first off, our elected officials, regardless of their politics, are not offering any hope. They're not, not sort of comforting and reassuring. And that's dangerous because we have a population here, homeless and emotionally disturbed in normal times who are ignored. And now they're very conspicuous because most people are sheltered in, but their needs are not being met. So even if you didn't care about the homeless or emotionally disturbed normally, if they get the coronavirus and it spreads in their population, it will spread to everyone. So that's why we're in the front lines, washing them with alcohol and water, feeding them, nourishing them, and treating them like the human beings that they are. Curtis, what are you finding in your conversations with the government agencies about the homeless? We are finding that those agencies that have been set up by government to deal with them on a regular basis have locked their doors. Their workers are sheltered in, they won't come out. They won't deal with the homeless. They won't deal with the emotionally disturbed, who, as you know, have even more serious problems than the normal homeless. Now, we're normally in the subways. We're normally in the places where a lot of emotionally disturbed persons and homeless live. This is where they live. So when the officials say shelter in, well, that is their home. 
out in the streets, out in the parks, in the subways, and in every nook, cranny, and corner that they can find. And quite frankly, they've been abandoned by all. Even good nonprofit groups, religious and secular, have been so frightened about interacting with them that I say to them, look, you got to go out there. You've got to help these people because if nobody helps them, eventually it'll become a problem for all of us. Have you and the guardian angels had to take anyone to the hospital yet? Initially, uh, when the coronavirus uh, became a reality for us in New York City, I remember in Penn Station, which is the largest transit point in New York City, I had to physically carry out, in one instance, a male who was in a wheelchair. He was impaired. And in a second instance, a woman who was having all kinds of psychotic issues, but clearly had fever, had sweats, was showing signs of if not having the flu or a virus or a cold, maybe the coronavirus. And I remember putting them into the ambulances and the EMT men and women who had all the protective garb on were like in total fear. And I said to them, I said, why are you afraid? I said, first off, this is your job. If you're not going to do your job, go get a job hanging wallpaper because you're not helping in this situation. These people need to be comforted, need to be talked to, because they're going to be going into a hospital in which normally they wouldn't walk in to begin with. Someone has to converse. So I ended up staying in the ambulance until they were brought to the ER and eventually cared for. What can we do to help the guardian angels and others helping the homeless in our big cities? Well, I think you have to research, and that's the benefit of this particular problem that is affecting us globally is that we can stay in touch with one another through our technology. So if you wanted to see what the guardian angels were up to and you wanted to help our effort, you could go to guardianangels.org. That's www.guardianangels.org. Because we're doing this not just in the epicenter of the pandemic in America, New York City, but we have groups in 13 countries and 130 cities, some of whom have been hit hard by the coronavirus, and they're doing similar things that we're doing as guardian angels. And there are a lot of other good groups you'd have to research, both religious and secular, who believe as we believe, fear not. Go into the belly of the beast. Uh, take your precautions. But if we're not going to help those who cannot help themselves, what kind of a society are we? Where has our humanity gone? Curtis Silva, founder of the Guardian Angels in New York City and in other cities around the world. Stay safe there in New York City. Oh, we will. But remember, we as Guardian Angels believe, fear not. would beg that people please do listen to what the government is asking us to do and um, stop the spread since one person can infect so many people. I've just been told that I have COVID-19. You're going to take this home and you're going to kill someone, one of your family members. Just stop going out, listen to Boris. Just don't go out, it's not worth it. Coming up, Canadian business owners, especially hard hit, 
but it's a double whammy when it happens to a business owner in the arts community. Here we go. He said, peace, peace be with you. His gentle voice brings calm in troubled times. He said, peace, peace be with you. Well, of the many businesses across Canada, the arts community is particularly affected. Russ Rosine runs Bez Arts Hub in Langley, British Columbia. Russ, um, tell us what's happening to your business in COVID-19. It, it's, uh, well, obviously unprecedented. We're only uh, three years into establishing our little live music space. I mean, I've been an artist traveling with music around this country for many years, but we felt to put this together to have an art space in Langley where we can invite the community. And it's been going well, getting great engagement. And then this happens. And we've had to cancel every virtually everything and trying to figure out how to do things on online but the very nature of what we're doing is gathering people in a room to hear music and to to share experiences together so we are uh severely challenged <laughs> you are one of those canadians that uh has a large facility mm -hmm. what do you think of the government's aid packages for business rentals like yours well we are so thankful for what they have come up with for our for us as uh, small business owners uh, and so that's a, a great help. Uh, we have we have a grant funding agency here in the in the province of BC, maybe in other provinces as well. One called uh, Creative BC, and they have helped us establish our venue in the early days. And they had just offered us a grant uh, for our current uh, uh, presentations and performances and events. And that grant we could use based on our matching of it. But with all the everything being cancelled, we were like, oh oh. <laughs> we have a potential for money, but we don't know if we can use it. We actually got an email last night saying they don't, they're waiving the matching for now, which is uh, very exciting. So we know we have some money there. Um, obviously, there's other operational expenses and whatnot, but that was just last night. There was a big, big kick from the Creative BC uh, um, granting organization. What are you thinking about all of the community aspect? You know, the both the dance lessons, the arts lessons, and then the concert venues that were these Friday night gatherings. Yeah. What replaces that now? Yeah. Well, this is what we're doing right now. That I mean, hooray for Zoom and FaceTime and uh, Skype or whatever all those platforms are. I think it's interesting to see the world finding its connections on online. 
And this is a wonderful gift. Obviously, we see, you know, you, I have a friend who just took a tap class, uh, a virtual tap class. She said the sound was horrible. You, you couldn't really do it, but there were 40 people from around the world taking a tap dance class. Uh, and, you know, so there's something about that connection for the, for the globe. Uh, obviously, we're missing that local being together and seeing each other's facing, faces and encouraging each other. Uh, but this is something else is happening that is maybe bigger. I, I don't know. Uh, it's it certainly we're going to we're going to want to get back together as soon as we can. Um, and this can last for a while. But there's something happening to the global community at this time. Many theologians describe our relationship with God like a dance. How <laughs> is how is your dance with God going in all of this? Wow, that is a great question. I, I love that. You know, that it, it, I love that theological perspective of God dancing in, in himself, with himself. Uh, and certainly that's what we're experiencing here. In this uh, experience is, is like, it is, oh God, uh, what's the steps? You know, this is, we've never danced this move before. Is this a cha-cha, a rumba, a salsa? None of those. It's a new, it's a new step. And so... Um, we are, uh, since this thing happened, we've been, uh, Sandy and I, Sandy runs Bez Arts Hub. She's, the, she's been putting it all together and I'm sort of the artist in creating, bringing other artists in and doing all that. So both of our jobs are severely, you know, challenged, but we're, we're spending the last two weeks trying to reframe, um, reimagine how we, we weather this next four months at least. We don't know what's going to happen after that. So certainly faith is challenged, lots of prayer, lots of uncertainty um but maybe that's all good we're going to throw now to your slide over sweetie one of your covid songs <laughs> russ and Lonely. russ Rosenheim, thank you very much <laughs> thank you well don't worry baby i got my sanitary wipes well don't worry baby i got my sanitary wipes I've been cleaning off my iPhone so I can stare at you all night. <laughs> I've been working up a lather on my hands and wrists. I've been working up a lather on my hands and wrists. Well, there's been leadership all around the globe where people are reaching out to God during this international pandemic. And two women who helped take care of that here in Canada, Fatine Grisecki, and uh, who is the leader of the Cry in Canada, a national movement that pulls people together for prayer, also host of the Fatine Show, and member of Parliament for Yorkton, Melville, Kathy Wagenthal, who joins us from her home in Esterhazy, Saskatchewan. And uh, ladies, thank you both for being here. It was a remarkable day on Saturday to see thousands of Canadians gathered uh, virtually on Facebook, on Zoom, praying together. Fatine, you were part of pulling that together. What was the motive behind this? Well, really, there was a suggestion that came from a pastor, Pastor Alain Carat in Quebec, uh, after we had done a similar call, it was a communion call on March the 18th, where in 48 hours, we saw 2,400 people get on a Zoom call to take communion together to pray for a nation. Coming out of that, he said, you know, I believe we need to call a national day of prayer. Long story short, within a matter of probably 48 hours again, 
about 30 to 40 national leaders, churches, ministries, networks signed on, said, yes, we got to do this. On March the 28th, we had over 10,000 people registered. I think about 10,600 people registered, 5,000 people online praying at any given time. Literally from sea to sea, Lauren, we had people right from PEI all the way up to Vancouver Island, all the way up to the northern parts of Nunavut, down to, to Windsor, Ontario. So literally the entire nation came together to pray for our nation at this very, very critical time. And Kathy, there in Saskatchewan, you were on that call. You have a unique role because you lead the national prayer breakfast of all parties, all members of parliament in Ottawa, which is, of course, a spring tradition but it's canceled this year. Tell me what was your intent in pulling that national prayer breakfast led by members of parliament into this call? Well, first of all, it was an incredible privilege to be asked to participate in it because it, it was an event that truly, I think, was a first for our nation to be able to connect this way right across our entire country. And so for me, because I chair the national prayer breakfast, we as parliamentarians meet every week, Wednesday morning, nonpartisan. We set our politics aside at the door and we get together and we pray and encourage each other. And so this was another opportunity for us to engage as members of parliament in a role that really resonates with us as believers on the Hill. And tell us how members of parliament are um, managing to, to get through this time. Are you meeting as a caucus online? What's going on? Yes, well, it, it's been an adjustment as it has been for uh, many as well who want to reach out and need to meet. So we do now officially have a number of different organized meetings online and, that are weekly so that we can keep up with what's happening nationally uh, in Ottawa and uh, as well serve our, our constituents to the best of our ability. So all of our caucus groups are back up and, and functioning well. Okay, and Faitine, uh, as this prayer movement moved right across from churches to parliamentarians to healthcare workers, we're heading into Easter, it's Holy Week. And what role do you think the prayer unity in Canada is gonna play? Oh, I think it is playing a tremendous role right now. We're hearing feedback from people saying how much they appreciated just being connected uh, with people from sea to sea. That's one of the things that Zoom technology, like what we're doing right now, is doing. It's connecting us perhaps in a way that we've never been connected before. And to connect in prayer from sea to sea uh, is amazing. You know, people were often uh, commenting on how beautiful it was to see various leaders from different denominations. I think sometimes there's this perception that leaders are divided, where in reality, we're just busy and separated geographically, but the internet is connecting us in this moment in a way that is actually an incredible display of John 17, what Jesus prayed, that we would be one. And so I think people are very encouraged by the prayer movement right now, and it's giving them hope. Uh, and even maybe a sense of security in a time that feels so hopeless in some ways and insecure. I thought it was remarkable on this prayer movement, uh, Kathy, that our First Nations leaders were mm -hmm. praying. And I, I think about Pauline Wilcox um, and Barry Miracle, and they prayed Psalm 91 that the crown of the coronavirus would be mm -hmm. dethroned. Kathy, what impression did that give you? That Actually, that really stood out to me as well. It, it was the power in their prayers and the recognition that it, it's God who has all of the authority. And we sometimes get 
convinced uh, that he is not in, in full authority and he truly is. And uh, that really spoke to me to be able to be part of that, that nationwide prayer and to pray along with our Indigenous brothers and sisters in Christ because that was on my heart for this next National Prayer Breakfast. Uh, this scripture, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, is the scripture that we chose. And so for, to have that opportunity to pray with them and to see their hearts and to realize that uh, I'm very grateful that we're continuing on next May, everyone who is going to be involved in this prayer breakfast, Bill Adsit is our speaker, uh, the Rising Above Band, everything that was set to go is going to continue on next May. They're so excited to be part of this, uh, to encourage our Indigenous brothers and sisters in Christ. However, I, I'm just gonna mention, Lorna, we are still having it this year, but in a, truncated form uh, online. Uh, more details will be coming forward in the near future and everyone who was going to participate is going to share something on their heart, scripture and prayer. Uh, this will be the 55th National Prayer Breakfast even though it's being done in a very different format and I praise God for that because actually what we will be doing is reaching out across our entire nation and drawing people's attention to the importance to be praying for the people on the hill who are serving you in government and I want to encourage people to realize we as believers are there in the house, serving in the house, uh, all of the people who are serving us. We have a presence there that I believe is making a difference. And along with this prayer across our country is going to change our nation. All right. Well, Kathy Wagenschall, uh, Faitine Grisecki, both of you wonderful leaders in prayer for Canada. Thank you for pulling us together coast to coast. Thank you. Thank you, Lorna. Thanks, Lorna. Sacrificing for the good of others is not new to Canadians. And as we go through COVID-19, let's determine that we will continue to support those frontline healthcare workers and their families. So let's close in praying for them. So loving God, our healthcare workers and their families need strength. They need an extra equipping God to get through these challenging times of sacrifice. Help us all to do our best to support them in it. Amen. Well, from all of us at Context, thanks for watching. There's lots more great resources on our web. And if you've been strong enough to watch today, you're strong enough to encourage someone today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lorna Dewick.
That was our full show that's posted every Thursday on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get our weekly episodes and web exclusives.